Pastor Xavier Reese says, a vow of convenience does not a commitment make. You see, the shamelessness of the nation was known and practiced by all in Jeremiah's day, like in our day. You see, we call on God to help us, to save us in times when we were attacked, like in September 11th. We have billboards, God bless America, pray for our troops. Every life is precious. Love one another. But there's no national repentance regarding sin. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A bride could not forget to wear her jewelry to her wedding, but you have forgotten me day after day. These words from Jeremiah's sermon from chapter 2 are a very poetic way for God to tell the nation of Judah that their sin of idolatry was willful and unashamedly so. And in the continuation of our Simple Truth series in the book of Jeremiah, Pastor Xavier continues to draw similarities between the ancient kingdom of God turning their back on him with yet another much more modern nation founded on biblical principles. Let's listen. God has charged Judah with her adulterous behavior and treachery towards Yahweh. In the beginning of chapter 2, God's indictment of Judah is proclaimed in this very first sermon, which really begins here, and it goes all the way to verse 5 of chapter 3. As he begins in chapter 2, he calls her to remember the love of their espousal period and holiness through the wilderness as he redeemed her from Egypt. Then he asks her to point out his failure, if there was any, that had caused her to turn to idols and turn away from his goodness. Then he charges her with her evil, her sin of forsaking him for these worthless idols that could not quench her thirst and that they had lost the fear of God. He told her also that she had brought all these calamities on herself, her sinful lifestyle. And lastly, he reminds her that he liberated her from her bondage of slavery in Egypt. And she took that liberty, that freedom, and she enslaved herself into sin once again. It's almost as, as if you hear a husband pleading with a wife or a wife pleading with a husband who has been adulterous. And, and, and they're saying, look at all of this you've done, but I'm willing to take you back. And yet they're hard. They're shameless. They're obstinate. When he gets to verse 26 of chapter 2, he deals with their shamelessness. And so what we want to do is focus on the shamelessness of the nation of Judah regarding her unfaithfulness and her marriage to Yahweh, which is characterized by three truths. But let me read this section here so you, you see the flow, you see the dialogue going back and forth. In verse 26 he says, As a thief is ashamed when he is found out, so... Is the house of Israel ashamed? They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets, saying to a tree, You are my father, and to a stone you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will say, Arise, save us. But where are your gods, Yahweh says, that you have made for yourselves? Let them arise, if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. Why will you plead with me? 
You all have transgressed against me, says the Lord. In vain I have chastened your children. They receive not correction, for your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel? Or a land of darkness? Why do my people say, we are lords? We will come no more to you. Can a virgin forget her ornament or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Why do you beautify yourself and your ways to seek love? Therefore you have also taught the wicked women your ways. Also on your skirts is found the blood of the lives of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but plainly on all these things. Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you, because you say, I have not sinned. Why do you gad about so much to change your ways? Also, you shall be ashamed of Egypt, as you were ashamed of Syria. Indeed, you will go forth from him. With your hands on your head, for the Lord has rejected your trusted allies, and you will not prosper by them. They say if a man divorces his wife, and she goes from him, and become another man's, may he return to her again? Would not that land be greatly defiled or polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return to me, says the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see Where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat by them like an Arabian in the wilderness. And you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld. And there have been no latter rains. You have had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. Will you not from this time cry to me, my father? You are the guide of my youth. Will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. Here's the three truths about the shamelessness of the nation and her untreachery, adult relationship to Yahweh. First of all, verse 26 to 28, the shamelessness of the nation was known and practiced by all. It was known and practiced by all. Then in verse 29 to 34, the shamelessness of the nation was arrogant and self-deceptive. Arrogant and self-deceptive. And notice thirdly here from verse 35 of chapter 2 all the way to verse 5 of 3, the shamelessness of the nation was treacherous and self-serving. Notice the progression. It always comes down to self-serving. Always. That's the end of man's evil heart. Let's begin here with the shameless of the nation was known and practiced by all. Notice first in verse 26, the sin of Judah was known what? It was nothing secret. It was something well known by everybody. Jeremiah declares that as a thief is a shame who comes into a house, so Israel is a shame. This is a natural thing that when someone's busted for something, there's some sense of, 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 of withdrawing or some sense of shame. Uh, she was not. The comparison here is that Israel was robbing God. How? Robbing him of his due of the covenant. She was his wife. 
She was robbing him of what belonged to him. The natural response of one who is ashamed and one who is discovered is expressed here by the word found later on. He had found her out. The evidence was all around her. Yet she was not ashamed. Notice in verse 26 there still that Jeremiah had provided the evidence of the shamelessness of Judah by, by naming the culprits. In other words, the people were guilty, unfaithful to God. But then it says all of the kings and the princes were equally guilty. And that wasn't enough, but the priests were equally participants. And if that was not enough, the prophets were also guilty. So from the king to the prophet, from the one that was supposed to rule to the one that was supposed to turn them around to God, they were all practicing this evil. Notice, secondly, verse 27, the sin of Judah was spiritual adultery. She was married to Yahweh. Spiritual adultery. Look at verse 27. All were saying to a tree, you're my father. <laughs> they attributed their existence to this image of, God, of a God made out of a tree. They were ascribing worship to this idol. They were saying to the stone, you gave birth to me. Now we say this is stupid. No, it isn't. We do it too. We're going to show you that. <laughs> they ascribe the source of their origin to the, another image now. This one of stone. Some of wood, some of stone. Again, they were ascribing worship. Notice, thirdly, there in verse 27 still, that the reason for their shameful conduct was that all of them had what? They had turned their back on Yahweh, their God, and not their faces. This goes just beyond an action taking place. The turning of their backs was, first of all, a mark of contemptuous lack of respect and honor for Yahweh. When you're speaking with someone, conversing with them, and if you're talking with them, and all of a sudden you just turn your back on them and start talking to somebody else, that's disrespectful. How much more to God? But notice the double thing here. Before you turn to someone else, at the same time when you're turning to someone else to worship them, you're turning your back on God. Both things are happening at the same time. It's a disrespect to Yahweh, and it's an honoring of whoever you turn to, or whatever you turn to. Both take place at the same time. Notice the turning of their faces away from God was for the seeking out of their idols that they had embraced. They had changed their gods, as the Lord declared in the beginning of chapter 2. When a person turns his face away, it often marks their unwillingness to look at that person in the face because they're guilty. When someone's busted, parents, you know that. Your kid does something, you say, they say, come here, did you do this? Look at me. They don't want to look. Why? Because there's guilt. There's shame. It's natural. It's built in. Now, we can go real far and get real good at it. We're guilty and we say, what? What's the problem? Now, as we go through the sermon, I want you to realize how what a parallel this indictment is in the days of Jeremiah to Israel and to our nation today. People often say, well, you know, the Old Testament, it's, it's out of date. I mean, it's irrelevant, really. Boy, this, this text is so relevant. It's, it's hand in hand with our nation today. Look at 30, the end of verse 27 and 28. The sin of Judah was insulting. 
the response of all the people in, in times of trouble was that they would ask God to save them. Here they're playing the harlot. They're, they're going away from God. But, but they say, hey, when we're in trouble, hey, we'll go to God. We'll go to Yahweh. Look at the word, but. The word but marks the sharp contrast between their constant seeking of idols and their seeking God out, listen, out of convenience. You see, there was a lot of spiritual jargon going on. Remember Josiah was a good king? He had that reform. Five years after Jeremiah began, Jeremiah began 626. Five years later, about 31, Josiah began the reform. Hilkiah, the father of Jeremiah, found the book of the law. They looked at it, rent their clothes, big reform, superficial. People were saying, God bless, praise the Lord, Maranatha, hallelujah. In fact, he's going to be sent to the temple in chapter 7 and call them hypocrites and preach right at the door of the temple. There's a lot of, a lot of spiritual jargon going on in the nation today, America. The polls tell us that 80% of Americans are Christians. Really? Why are 85, 90% of the people live like devils? There's spiritual jargon. Listen, there are churches full of people that are going to hell in our nation today. Because they're self-deceived. They say, praise God, hallelujah. And they're sleeping around. They're still getting loaded. They're still getting drunk. They're serving other gods. The nation from the king down to the people had no shame. They did not hesitate to call on God to deliver them. 911, God. The nation had lost both personal and public conscience and became brazen in her, listen, insult to God. When you know someone's gotten over on you and you forgive them and you give them a second, third chance, and then they come again and do it again and look at you square in the face and say, oh, come on, help me out. It's insulting, is it not? Let's give God a break, guys. We don't always know that, but he knows the heart completely. Oh, he's so patient. He's so good. Look, look at verse 28. The response of God was to turn them back to their gods. Yahweh declares in verse 28, But, but where are your gods that you have made for yourselves? <laughs> Let them arise if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For he says, for according to the number of your cities are your gods, Judah. They have become polytheistic, worshipping the variety of gods of the land. And they were ascribing the worship of them to Yahweh. You know what that's called? Nifty little word, syncretism. In other words, you take whatever you believe you can do, and it's obvious contrary to the scripture... And you put it within the scriptures and you say, I'm a Christian. So you're worshiping doing things that are not biblical, but you still say, hey, I worship Yahweh this way. I worship Jesus this way. It's okay to do this as a Christian. That's syncretism, but it's also sin and insult against God. They had become polygamous in their marriage covenant. How many of you would buy your wife having a second husband at the same time? Or vice versa. Then let's not exalt God. He wants you for himself. Totally for himself. Absolutely. The sin and sinful practices of our nation are not secret. I hope you know that. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. We fool one another, but we do not fool God. He sees everything. Parents are unashamed to tell that their daughter got pregnant. 
or that their son is living with their girlfriend. And they almost tell it at times like if they're honorable. Because, well, you know, he, he, she got pregnant, but, you know, the guy really loves her. Or, or my son's living with his girlfriend, but, you know, they're thinking about getting married. They're going to try it out for a while. Like if it's a car or, or, or uh, a vacuum or something like that, you know what I mean? And there's no shame. Things like that would be hidden before, even from the lowest of people. Not, not anymore in our society, not anymore in our nation. The sin of the United States is idolatry. We worship the God of intellect, Bell. I mean, there are many Bells, but Bell is basically the God of intellect. And we, uh, we have turned our backs on what we know about our heritage and our founding fathers and the nation. We worship evolution and we say that we owe our birth to the polywog and our ancestors were apes. And by the way, it's a religion that's taught through our educational system. We worship the God of pleasure, the God of sex, protecting pornography and promoting it. Being for every type of deviant sexual behavior. We see that the sayings of the 60s, do your own thing, try it, you'll like it, different strokes for different folks, have come to fruition. And they become truth now. And yet we're penalized for being moral. We, we are censored uh, regarding prayer. And we are opposed regarding morality. The ACLU is on the head of that. God help them. We protect those who murder babies while we attempt to silence those who speak for the unborn child. The sin of American people is insulting to God. You see, we call on God to help us, to save us in times when we are attacked, like in September the 11th. And we have billboards, God bless America, pray for our troops. Every life is precious. Love one another. But there's no national repentance regarding sin. So we pull out the emergency God who founded this nation. And we say, we live like the devil, but we need your help right now. We do it knowing that we're evil. We do it knowing that we're ungodly. We insult the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the patience of God to turn people to repentance. You see, the shamelessness of the nation was known and practiced by all in Jeremiah's day, like in our day. No different. Notice, secondly, when you get to verse 29, down to 34, you have the shamelessness of the nation. It was arrogant and self-deceptive. Notice the progression. First of all, in verse 29 and 30, Judah attempted to plead her case. Here's, here's the arrogance. She's guilty, and she tries to plead her case. God rebukes her for such arrogance. Listen to him. Why will you plead with me? She thought she had a legitimate case to bring a countersuit against God. The whole picture in chapter 2 and 3 is that of a court scene like in Isaiah. God is the presiding judge, the prosecuting attorney, and Judah's on trial. And she thinks she has a case against God. He says, you all have transgressed against me. And then God reminds Judah of her former arrogance in verse 30. He says, in vain I have chastened your children. They receive no correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. They had not repented. Instead, they killed the prophets and sent them 
and, and, and kill them off like a lion to its prey. How often God said, look, I did this and you didn't repent. I did this, you didn't repent. He does in the book of Amos. Yeah, I did this, you didn't repent. And then he finds this, prepare to meet your God. The scariest word in scripture, prepare to meet your God. Once God tries to turn you and you keep shining them on, you keep sinning against that sin, you keep being brash and arrogant against that sin. He says, prepare to meet your God. That is judgment. That's not a call to repentance. That is judgment. Now this is nothing new. God had done it through the past. Notice secondly, verse 31 and 32. Judah denied her measure of light regarding God and her natural affection towards him. In verse 31, God pleaded that she examined the word he had given to her. Oh, generation, see the word of the Lord. He's like a pleading father to a son. Why would you do that? Look all he's done for you. The word generation is used as a substitute for the entire nation of Israel called metonymy. Oh, Israel, oh, Judah, oh, my people, oh, generation. She had been given the revelation of God at Sinai. She had been given the covenant. She had been made the wife of Yahweh. And so God asked Judah if he had been negligent as a provider or a bad guy. Listen to him. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of darkness? No. He had been a paradise for them. He had gotten them out of Egypt with riches and wealth. He had guided them through the Red Sea, through the land. He had gone before them to prepare the place. So when they got there, it had already been prepared. Numbers 10, 33 says. They had no charges against him. You dared to bring a countersuit against me with, with the lifestyle and the evidence I have against you. And you are arrogant. You're not only shameless, but you're arrogantly shameless. Notice God uses their own words to reveal their arrogance. That's always a good evidence when you go to court. Judah, did you not say, Why do my people say, We are lords? We will come no more to you. As if a pleading husband on his knee says, Please come back, I'll forgive you. And the woman will say, I don't need you. I never needed you. Arrogant. They had become their own God, their own master, thinking themselves free under, listen, their own dominion. That's what our society is all about today. My own dominion, my own authority, my own power. They did not see themselves in need of coming to Yahweh, revealing their lawless spirit, a grave rebellion as children. That's what sin is. It's grave rebellion against your creator. Saying, I don't need you. Yet in emergencies, I'll call on you. And I know you understand. And we think that God is like a man. That's our first mistake. Judas, a natural affection is given in verse 32. Two questions which are rhetorical are asked regarding a bride. And the answer is obvious. The answer is no. Can a bride forget her ornament? No. Can a bride forget her attire? No. Yahweh declares, Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. They've gone from me long ago. They've done without me. She had forgotten Yahweh. Unnatural. Pastor Xavier Reese with a bleak illustration for the broken commitment and the loss of a first love, the nation of Judah and her God. 
Now, if you've missed any part of the last half hour, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's much more to this study to come next time right here as well. But if you won't be able to join us, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply Shameless and Arrogant. It's available on CD for just $4. So once again, ask for Shameless and Arrogant, or you can simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Pastor Xavier Reese suggests you won't find scarier words in all of Scripture than these from the prophet Jeremiah. Prepare to meet your God. It's a simple truth study you won't want to miss. Next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com